Back to throw. In trouble. He's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs. Gets away again. Goes to the 40. Gets away again. To the 35. Cuts back at the 30. To the 20. The 15. The 10. He dies. Touchdown, 49ers. All right. Welcome to another episode of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. He's Brian. He's Al. I'm Zane. And it's a victory podcast, our first victory podcast of this season. Those are always great, except this one feels like a loss. Um, everybody is, there's one thing on everybody's mind right now, and that is the health of, of this guy right here. And guys, I, it was one of those things where when, when Jimmy got hurt in 2018, the ACL, it felt similar, but it was different because the roster was not right. Right, it was not a Super Bowl caliber roster. They were still rebuilding, and at that point, we didn't know what they would be. This was an extra gut punch because Trey was supposed to be the guy that got us over the hump, that was able to guide the team to different heights and, and new levels, and all of the the uh, expectations and all of the anticipation and all of that stuff, kind of just just poof in one moment, just gone and. If you've been living under a rock for the last 24 hours, Trey Lance is out for the season. He's got a se- severe ankle injury. He had surgery on it uh, today, and all uh, all signs point to being a full recovery for him. But he's going to be out uh, for the entire season, and we hope that he'll be back for training camp. All indications that are he he will be back for training camp. But there's so much to unpack here with regards to what happened, his experience, and the time off that he's going to uh, miss, and what the team's going to do. And we're going to do all that for you uh, in this recap show. So, guys, I'm going to open it up to you. And, and I mean, what are your thoughts? Um, you know, I guess, you know, when you, you see that happen, there was a lot, lot of emotions last night for sure. I think anger was the first one for me. Um, you know, here we go again type thing. And listen, you know, this has been there's been a lot of back and forth on this. I'm sure some people feel different ways. For me, the way I feel, and it's just me, people can feel whatever they want to. I said it to you last week, Brian. I was like, he's going to get hurt. Said it right on the show. The way they're using him, the way he's running, he's going to get hurt. And he got hurt. And look, what they did with him, he's had four starts now. He had 16 rushes against the Cardinals. He had eight rushes against the Texans. He had 13 rushes last week against the Bears. And he had three this week. And he was on his way to 10, 12 plus again. Now, people say, well, Lamar does it. Well, Josh Allen does it. Well, Lance isn't that kind of runner. Lance is sort of stumbles and just kind of falls forward into these collisions. He's not a smooth runner like Jackson, you know, Allen will take hits, but even Allen, Allen avoids a lot of hits too. Like Lance seeks contact and that is not sustainable. And we've seen in four starts now, he's been hurt twice. He hurt his knee in the first, in his first start and he was out for a while. And now he's out for the season after hurting his ankle. Do I want to say blame anyone, but, do I agree with Kyle Shanahan's play calling? I do not. And you want to say, well, Al, he got hurt on a read option. Okay. Still, the more you get hit, the more chance there is to get hurt. I don't care what the play was. You're still, he's still running 10, 15 times a game. So I have not agreed with the play calling. They use him like a bulldozer. They've changed the rules in the NFL to protect quarterbacks. And the teams don't want their quarterbacks getting hit. And this quarterback is getting hit constantly, constantly. So yeah, I have an issue with that. And you know what? Some of it's on Trey too. Slide, man. He plays, he's been playing reckless. So you want, people want to blame Kyle. Same thing with Lance. Lance did not do much to protect himself either. So Kyle called plays that didn't necessarily protect him and Lance didn't really protect himself either. And if you say, well, he wasn't ready as a passer or this, that, and the other thing, then why the hell is he in there? 
if if you don't trust him enough to throw the football and you're going to just run him in that we're just going to run him in the line of scrimmage what what are we doing like what are we doing so it's really really frustrating again the emotions it's anger it's frustration and look we'll get into it more but the niners are going to pro- probably be fine they're going to probably win 10 11 games so fine but they are are they a better team right now maybe with jimmy possibly but will they be better in january will they be better in 2023 because that's what the quarterback move was was for to take them above where they've been and it would have taken some time to do that but that was the goal and and now you know we're kind of back where they were last year which is fine just fine but it's it's still frustrating that it happened the way it did yeah you know kyle kyle talked about you know that part of what makes trey lance effective right now is his running and i get that and 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 i don't begrudge him running him what i begrudge is the lack of development for a quarterback to play from the pocket and the reason that trey lance wasn't ready is because what trey lance needs more than anything is reps and that's what's frustrating to me is last season was trey lance ready last season absolutely not i'm not trying to claim that he was did the 49ers make it to the nfc championship game yes they did did they win that game no they did not okay so now you've taken an entire season where you could have gotten this kid reps were they going to be successful if they played trey lance early no i'm not claiming that they would have been but what they would have been is better set up for this season and beyond to see what they have in this quarterback that they spent three first round draft picks on see here's the thing that frustrates me it's not it, it's not that they drafted Trey Lance. It's not that they, it, it, it's not that they kept Jimmy Garoppolo. None of it. Here's what, here's what frustrates me. You cannot have your cake and eat it too. You cannot draft an inexperienced quarterback that needs reps on reps on reps to grow and then not give them to him. And you cannot tell me that the reps that he gets as scout team quarterback, where he is emulating the other team's quarterback, not running your plays that you want him to run, but running other teams' plays to get the defense ready, is going to help him develop. It's not. It's not. I don't care what you tell me. It's not. It's not going to help him develop in your offense. So you keep saying, hey, and fans, right? Hey, we're in a Super Bowl window. We need we need to compete now. You're the one that decided to draft a quarterback. That was your decision. That wasn't Trey Lance's decision. That wasn't the fans' decision. That was your decision. You decided to draft a quarterback. And then on top of that, you decided to draft a quarterback who had very little experience in college. So are you going to tell me that you drafted him and then you're not going to give him the reps he needs to develop. That's frustrating to me. Is the team better now? Sure. Jimmy Garoppolo right now is a better quarterback than Trey Lance. But the problem is, is we know what we have in Jimmy Garoppolo. So now you went from a low floor, high ceiling season to a high floor, low ceiling season. I don't, that doesn't excite me. I don't, I have zero expectation that this team is going to win a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. Why? Because they've been to one and they lost it. And then they went to an NFC championship game and they lost that as well. Why? Because Jimmy Garoppolo is an awful quarterback in the playoffs. Period. You can't tell me that he's good. 
He's not. He's played six games. He has a 60% completion percentage. He has four touchdowns, six interceptions, and he averages 160 yards a game. On top of that, he has three playoff games with zero touchdowns. And he has five of the six with one interception or more. So again, I'm not excited because Jimmy Garoppolo isn't a playoff quarterback. So what do we have to look forward to? Was Trey was was Trey going to light the world on fire? No, but he was going to develop and you would get a better idea of what you have in him. And now you go into year three on a five-year contract with no clue what you have in this quarterback. What are we doing? Well, four, four and an option, right? But the assumption is that they would pick up the option. Sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. number, number three overall quarterback. So here, here's the thing. And, and I think that a lot of people are, are frustrated for a lot of reasons. And for me, like, I, I, I can't give Kyle a free pass on this. Like, everybody's, I've seen a lot of people that are just giving him a free passing. Oh, it's a freak injury and all this stuff. And, and Al, like, you've very famously said that, like, Nobody in the history of anything has gotten more free passes than Kyle Shanahan, right? Like you've said this like several times on our show and it's just more of the same. And it's like, you look, look, I don't want Kyle fired, right? Because the funny thing is, is like, you'll make a comment criticizing Kyle and all these people, some people are like, oh, well, you want him fired. No, I don't want him fired. I want him to be better because if Kyle Shanahan is as smart as everybody says he is, then you, then he can find ways to mitigate these sorts of things from happening. Like you can't eliminate injuries from football. It's a contact sport, right? The injuries happen all the time. But you can mitigate them by not running your quarterback into where all of the traffic is, where all the fat, heavy guys are. You don't run your quarterback into them. People say, oh, it's, an, it's a simple read option. Read options run off tackle or near the tackle box. Like everybody compares Josh Allen. So I saw a number today on Twitter. Um, so Callie Steph, Stephanie McCarroll, I should put this out. And what she said was basically like uh, loosely uh, quoting her is that, the amount of the percentage of time that Josh Allen ran between the tackles was significantly significantly less than Trey. Trey was running about 25% of his design runs or runs or whatever they were between the tackles. And that was like at least five to 7% more than what Josh Allen ran at his peak. So, and, and you're also talking about more, uh, more opportunities to run the ball as well. Trey was averaging almost 13 carries a game. Like he's a quarterback. He's not a running back. And on top of that, like that's, that's both, I understand that there's a difference between design runs and scrambling and and off off schedule plays, but that's that's what that's really what it comes down to for me. It's like Trey needed to develop as a passer because he was a pa- he, like he's a passer first and then a runner. And to me, all of this kind of seems so similar to what happened with RG three in Washington, where Kyle saw something in RG three. He's like, all right, well, he's got a weakness. We're just going to hide that and just have him run the ball. And that we're just, we're just not going to worry about that. It's not how you develop a quarterback. Like I have serious questions about whether Kyle can develop a quarterback now. Cause it's like, when you have that opportunity, when you have your prized quarterback in front of you, that you give up three first round picks for and is your future. And, and that you don't have a plan B for beyond this year, you need to bubble wrap that guy. And if he's, if he's inexperienced, I would much rather watch Trey throw four interceptions from the pocket than what happened yesterday, or even be exposed to those hits yesterday. And constantly, like we we talked about it after the Bears game, guys. Like I said it on the, after that as well. I'm like, I I specifically referenced the hit that he took from Roquan Smith, where 
he landed on his shoulder and I thought he was going to get hurt. And, and I said the same thing that you said, Al, this is not, this is not sustainable. So this is what actually pissed me off the most that everybody saw this coming. Everybody, everybody's like, he's going to get hurt. And for some reason, Kyle Shanahan thought it was a good idea to way heavily game plan Trey runs into his scheme. The, the worst part about this guys is that the run with the other running backs and Debo was working in two <laughs> drives. Everybody not named Trey Lance had over 100 yards rushing already on two drives. And for some reason, Kyle's like, you know what? Let me let Trey run the ball. Let me let him run. And to me, people will criticize me like, well, you don't understand a read option. That's that. Look, to me, the way that I would have done it, and I'm, I'm some fan. I'm a nobody, right? But to me, the way that I would have done it is that Trey, you got to earn your way to be able to run. The, you got to earn your way into those running plays. You got to be able to show me that you can pass the ball first because that's your first responsibility is to throw the ball in the team. And then if you can throw it, then we can start designing other stuff for you and just give you the other stuff. Like, it's, it's such a bummer for me. Like, I can't tell you how terrible I feel because Trey is going into his third season. It'll be 36 months since his senior season in college. He will have played 18 quarters of football. And that, to me, is extremely scary for a team that is basically on the brink, hopefully, of a championship. And you literally don't know what your quarterback is your, your third year in. So to me, like I, I've got major beef with Kyle Shanahan over the, over the usage and not the play call. But the play call is fine. It's about the usage. You don't use your number three overall quarterback like a seventh round or undrafted free agent running back. You don't do that. And for all the people saying like, oh, they did it with Kaepernick, go back and watch his film. Go back and watch the film of that first game against Chicago or the playoff game against Green Bay, which is when they fully unveiled the read option. Everything was off tackle. Everything was to the outside. Anytime he ran inside, they were either off schedule plays or it was just like a simple QB draw. And it was like once or twice. So it's not, it's not the same thing as Cap. It's not the same thing as Josh Allen. And Kyle's answer was incredibly arrogant and stubborn in the press conference. Like, oh, well, the, the, the Bills do with Josh Allen. Well, shit. The, the, the Chiefs throw it around the yard with Patrick Mahomes and the, the Chargers throw it on, around the yard with Justin Herbert. Why don't you throw the ball 60 yards down the field like they do if you want to watch other teams? So to me, it's just like the, the lack of accountability, the lack of like admitting any, any sort of thing was wrong for Kyle, just part of the course for me. So yeah, I've got major beef with Kyle for that. I don't think he should be fired. I want him to be better. That's it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the notion that you can't criticize from some people is a, is a little bit crazy, right? Like, yeah, you don't want Kyle Shanahan fired. I think Kyle Shanahan's a good coach, but he certainly has everybody has flaws, right? And I think stubbornness is 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 his flaw. He kind of wants to do things his way. And Jimmy even alluded to it in his press conference when he said, "Hey, we were just kind of slinging it around like 2017, and that doesn't always happen around here." Because Kyle wants you. I saw somebody. I wish I remembered who said it, but it was a good analogy. Like it's like you're playing Madden. Kyle wants you to hit the A button. Like that's what you do on this play type thing. And it's yeah, he's very he's very stubborn with that. And it is frustrating. And here's another thing too, like everybody's different, right? Like some players are super durable. You know, Jerry Rice can tear his ACL and come back at the end of the season, you know, and some guys aren't, some guys get hurt all the time. Maybe Trey is going to be a non-durable dude. Like he hurt his finger. He hurt his knee. You know, may, may, maybe he's not a guy you, you can do this with, you know, maybe that's another, another way to look at it. But I, I will say that, you know, only time will tell with that, but I will say this one thing that is really bothered me is the narrative surrounding him and almost the people rooting against him. In an article that came out about right after the guy, the kid, the kid, the kid, he's 22 years old, gets hurt. Oh, you know, unnamed people in the 49ers locker room think they're a better team. Really? That, that's what you're going to come out with? That? Michael Silver. Yeah, I'm not like, whatever, like whoever, whatever, just it, it's, 
it's a disgust me like the narrative. It's almost like people are like, we're like relishing in this because it seemed like it was a, a takedown job last week. And then he gets hurt again this weekend. It's just like, are, are you kidding me? And look, I don't, I'm not somebody like, especially at this stage of like my life and career or whatever. I don't have favorite players. I'm not attached to any of the, I root for laundry, right? I'm not attached to, to really people. There's a few players that I, I kind of know personally that I'll root for. But other than that, I'm not Jimmy Trey. I don't know either one of them. You know what I mean? But so it's not like a Jimmy versus Trey thing. Like, I think they'll probably win games with Jimmy now, too. But just in terms of like just human interest, like what they did to this kid in the last week and then to see him get hurt like that, it's just it's it it sucks, man. It sucks for him. It's one of those things where you start to root for him because he was almost the underdog. Right. And then this happens and it's like, yeah, some people are relishing in it. And it's been it's really unfortunate. It really is the divide in in the Jimmy versus Trey thing and the where things have gone, the way things have gone narrative wise. It, it's it's rough right now. It's really tough to stomach right now. Like I said, it's it's sort of tough to enjoy a, a dominating win because everything is just hard to stomach for me. Well, and it and really was right. They absolutely blew the Seahawks out. Like the Seahawks didn't score an offensive touchdown. Like you know the 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 narrative right. Even after a loss last week, should should be focused really on the defense. Right, the defense has given up the least number of yards in the NFL. Through through two weeks, granted, there's two games going on tonight, uh, but I don't think either one of those defenses have that opportunity. Uh, but part of the problem is that again, this was set up by the off season, right? This was set up by the off season by keeping Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, granted, it looks like a stroke of genius now, and I get that, right? There is no other team in the NFL better set up to lose their quarterback for the season than the 49ers because they have the guy that has been their starter for the last five years. But I, it, it has always felt to me like this. It, it's almost like, you know, you, you decide to get a divorce, but you live with each other still. And, and, you know, because that's, what's comfortable and, and, and you do it for the kids or whatever, right? Like Kyle Shanahan, has wanted a divorce from Jimmy Garoppolo since he overthrew Emmanuel Sanders in the Super Bowl in in the 2019 season. Like he's actively tried to get rid of him. And now he's back and what is going to be different? Like how are you like what is going to be different about this offense? You saw it on Sunday. Jimmy Garoppolo came in and what did the Seahawks start to do? They started to crowd the box and the middle of the field. The 49ers offense with Trey Lance under center had 145 yards in half of a quarter. And in the other three and a half with Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm, they had 230. Why? Because defenses know how to defend Jimmy Garoppolo. They still won. He still put up points. I'm not debating that. But we're talking about the rest of the season, right? We're talking about what happens in the playoffs when you, when you face the good defenses or the great defenses. And it really is a disgusting turn of events when people are taking victory laps on Twitter because Trey Lance got injured and now Jimmy Garoppolo, their guy, the guy they wanted, is, is going to be the quarterback for the rest of the season. Colin Coward, right, came out 
And his first comment was the 49ers are better now than they were before that game started. And it's just like you like, sorry, that's a scumbag move. Like you are a scumbag, right? And you can try and defend it all you want about talking about like the adults can handle this conversation. Everybody knows why you hate Trey Lance. Everybody knows it's no secret. You can't play it off. Right. And it's just, it's just, it's just really, really frustrating. And like you said, Zane, I just feel bad for the kid because ultimately this is a 21 year old kid who didn't trade three first round picks for himself, who didn't choose to go to the 49ers, who didn't choose to be the heir apparent to a, a very popular player in the locker room and amongst the fan base, right? Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't popular with Kyle Shanahan because he couldn't get Kyle Shanahan where he wanted. Super popular with his teammates, and it's evident, right? Look at the way his teammates responded when he got to be uh, you know, on the field. And I'm not, I'm not saying that they weren't behind Trey Lance, whatever the case may be. But by keeping Jimmy Garoppolo, you did not allow that locker room to just move on from Jimmy. You had him in the building still. And so they still had their guy there. And now all of a sudden their guy is getting an opportunity, even though it came because of injury. And they're like, hell yeah, let's ride, right? Let's, let's go, Jimmy. Let's, let's get behind Jimmy They're you know, and it's, and it's just, this team is like you said, Al, this team is going to win football games. They are. And that's great. Cool. Awesome. What does next year look like? What does the year after look like? You committed to the future by drafting this kid. And now what is it? What does the future look like? What happens if Jimmy Garoppolo takes them to the NFC Championship game again? What happens if Jimmy Garoppolo gets them to the Super Bowl? What if they win the Super Bowl? Am I going to celebrate? You bet your ass I'm going to celebrate. But my, then my first question is, what next? What do we do now? Do we extend Jimmy Garoppolo? Do you look to trade Trey Lance? Like, It's messy now. And I just, I'm so tired of it being messy. I just, I want to be able to have a quarterback that I can, I can believe in, in any given circumstance. That's all I want. That's all I want as a fan. And I cannot believe in Jimmy Garoppolo in certain circumstances. I cannot believe in Jimmy Garoppolo to come back. I cannot believe in Jimmy Garoppolo to stretch the field. I cannot believe in Jimmy Garoppolo in the playoffs. I wanted somebody that I could. And now I'm just, I don't know. I, how do I feel about the season? I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I, I expect wins. I expect to, to see, uh, an excellent defense and, and an offense that may look great at times, but will likely look pretty bad at others. I just, I'm, it's just, they won the game, but in, in my mind, it was a giant loss with, with, with Trey Lance. And I just, I just feel bad for the kid. And I don't know what the future of my franchise holds now. Yeah, I think so. I'm I'm not at the point where I'm like, you know, there's there's nothing to look for because look, there's 15 weeks left in the year, and this is still a really good roster. This is the same roster essentially, minus a couple of offensive linemen that went to the the championship game. And I'd argue that the defensive backs are probably better this year than than they oh, were last year. This is gonna be a fun season. Still, this is gonna be yeah, a good. It'll season. still be a really good season. Yeah. Like the the defense is actually a better unit this year than they were last year, and I, yeah. I wholeheartedly believe that. Oh, so no doubt, no doubt. There are certain things to look forward to. I, I don't think it's all gloom and doom. I, I I hear what you guys are saying because you know it's such a gut punch to 
because we had a plan for Trey, right? We, there was a plan that, that, that us as fans, like, you know, had for him to see him succeed. And obviously the team had for his progression and, and, you know, it may not have resulted in a playoff for it this year or long playoff run this year, but it would have been a means to an end, which was much greater, right? Like, which is, mm-hmm. which is the quarterback for the next 10 years, hopefully, right? That's what we were hoping. And that's what I still hope for, right? Like when he comes back, he's only going to be 23 years old. He, he was not going to have a lot of wear and tear on his body. So I think that, you know, that he can still be a really, really good, really good player. And that, you know, I was going to say the one, the one, the one shining or the one silver lining in terms of the injury, Tom Pelissero reported that there, it wasn't a compound fracture like Dak's ankle was. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's the good news there. So it does seem like the recovery might be quicker and also more, um, less long-term negative effects, but, but obviously we won't know that. Yeah. And, and I think that like one of the things that I feared initially was, was Garrison Hurst when, when it first happened. That's what I feared, right? Where if you guys remember when, when Hurst broke his ankle, like there's a blood flow issue in, in recovery and it actually took him like almost two years to recover and he just, he just was never the same. But to hear that, that Tom Pilicera report earlier today, like that kind of like calms some of my nerves because it's like knowing that, that uh, Trey will get a full recovery and hopefully, and he will be back hopefully better than normal. But the, the thing that I'm kind of worried about is, is this going to make him skittish in the pocket or skittish when he's running the ball or what, what what's it going to do to his confidence? Because it makes him slide. But I think that like, guys, like there's, there's a lot more to think about the season. Like I, I, I get it that we know what the ceiling is now, right? There isn't that like aura of mystery around this team that like, Oh, like they could be really great. And we don't know what that looks like because we know what, we know what it looks like, right? Because we've seen it for the last five, almost five years now. So I understand that, but you know, the, the, all this reporting and all these, all these things coming out in the media, like all, a lot of that's noise. A lot of that's just like, man, you know, we've, we've heard certain things come out about both quarterbacks, about Trey, about Jimmy and about the stuff. Like it's like, for whatever reason, the media loves to to create narratives and talk about stuff. And, and honestly speaking, so this is, this is, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate here and, and then I'll give the other side as well. So there's a lot of talk about, about Trey Lance being captain amongst the fan base and all this stuff. There's a lot of tra- talk about Trey, you know, being named one of the captains and, and he should get it and, and things like that. And the pushback on that from a lot of people was, well, he hasn't, he hasn't earned it, right? Like he's just started two games. You know, he, he had, you don't have, frankly speaking, the clout to, to be able to have that privilege bestowed upon you. And that's what his teammates thought because they, they didn't vote him a captain, right? Um, but to be fair, Debo was also not voted the captain either. Right. So I think it's just more so like, there's so many better leaders on this team and so many stars on this team that like, how many can you pick? But to that point, I don't know what the context was. If those things were said about Trey, it's not a good look right after a guy has a season ending injury, literally in front of his parents, whose parents are there by the way, which is just horrifying for them to see. And I, and I feel so, so terrible for them. But that's not a good look to put that stuff out literally the night of this guy's season ending, right? Like it's not, that's not the time. Yeah. And on top of that, we don't know the context. We don't know the sources. They're unnamed sources. And we don't know what, you know, what sort of stuff they were talking about, what sort of conversation took place. So it's like, to me, it's frustrating to hear that. I, I retweeted that Colin Coward thing. I'm like, bro, like, I know exactly why you have a bias against Trey. Like you don't get to talk about freelance you just don't because we know we know how you feel about it we know why you feel about it that way so to me it's like it was it was not journalism's finest hour when trey got hurt and and the subsequent 
uh, hours after that. But I will say this for a locker room, for any locker room, for anybody that's been like an athlete at, you know, at like an amateur or college or professional, whatever level, a lot of that respect comes with time and repetitions and battles that you fight through. And I'm not making excuses for that reporting, but the concept of Trey not necessarily having like 100% support from some of his teammates, that's not, to me, totally, it's not an alien sort of thought. And the reason why is because he hasn't been through those battles with these guys. He hasn't been, he hasn't had to overcome those things with these guys. He hasn't had to rehab with his teammates and things like that. And I'm not saying that's the only way that you gain support, but I'm saying that like, okay, well, maybe that could be one of the things. Like, again, we don't know the context of that conversation. Now, that being said, what you said, Brian, is 100% correct. The team brought this on themselves. When you have a popular player and a guy who's been a captain for several years and a guy that the team rallies around and you bring him back into the locker room and you replace him with somebody else, what do you think is going to happen with the guy that you replace him with? Like, what did they think was going to happen? So they created this mess for themselves. And to me, like, that's what the worst part about all of this is, is that Everybody saw this coming except for them. And it's great that Jimmy's there and that, that, you know, he's a capable starting quarterback in this league and they're going to win hopefully a lot of games. But again, like there's, there's still a mess looming because again, if they go on a deep playoff run and you're sitting at the end of the year and Jimmy's a free agent and Trey's rehabbing and all of his teammates just went either to the championship game again or won a Super Bowl or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden it's time for either you let Jimmy go or you re-up him. What are they going to do? It's yeah, the same, it's the same crap song and dance again. Yeah, and well, we got you know what we we've talked about it for a half hour now. I think, and we will talk about it more. We got to move on. Like, let's you know, let's talk about this game. Let's talk about where the season goes because this is still going to be a good season. So, before we do that, support for the Know How to Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Their products are precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Over 6 million men worldwide trust Manscaped with this, with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code NOHUDDLE. At manscaped.com, if my math is correct, it's about 12 million balls. So go to manscaped.com, get 20% off free shipping with the code NOHUDDLE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the, ter- the code NOHUDDLE. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, so... Moving forward now, because this happened, but I really felt in this game, the Niners had a lot to prove coming out because they handed a game away that they should have won last week. I said on our preview show that the defense needed to come out and step up. The defense needed to show that they were dominant and that they can carry the team. And that's exactly what they did. This game never felt in doubt, not for a second. And that's okay. It's the Seahawks. Seahawks aren't good. Well, the Seahawks had the Niners number for a really long time. so. Even when the Seahawks are bad, the Niners still have issues with them. The Niners went out and really put a whooping on them. Um, I don't. I think they could. They could still be trying to score, and they may not score. The defense was so good. So to me, that was huge. That was a big statement for me. Um, Nick Bosa, you can, might be able to argue he's the best defensive player in the league right now. He's. I. I, I think he means that much. And I think you know this. The Niners aren't really to me built around the QB position. You know, it's running and defense. So. To me, Nick Bosa is like that integral part. Like he's the guy on the field. He just changes everything to me. And he was dominant. And this defense was dominant. And this was a game, again, that you needed the Niners to see. They came out in an NFC that is wide open, wide open. I thought 
even though it was against a bad team, I thought they made a bit of a statement with the way that they played. I I saw this earlier on Twitter, and I'm I'm probably going to get the year wrong, but I'm pretty confident in it. Um, this is the first time the 49ers have beat the Seattle Seahawks by 20 or more points since 1991. So, yeah, an absolute dominant performance against a team like you said, Al, that has had this team's number, mm-hmm. and. You know, we we previewed this and 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 we said, hey, the spread is ten. This is a division game against a team that that has historically, at least recently, really really given it to uh, to the 49ers. and they they just absolutely wiped the floor with them, which is exactly what they needed to do, and it's exactly what they should have done against the Bears. And if there wasn't a monsoon, I'm I'm pretty certain they would have. And so, yeah, I mean the defense. We've we've said it all along. This team is going to be led by their defense in their run game, and and they were and and they, you know, they beat a they beat a a, a a team that had very little in terms of talent to compare to uh, to the 49ers, especially with Jamal Adams out, and you know, really nothing. Well, I mean, they have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, who are who are two good wideouts, but they still have Geno Smith under center, and you know, it was. It also kind of makes that that Broncos loss to the Seahawks maybe even a little bit more embarrassing for the Broncos, who also didn't look very good against the Texans again uh, this this past weekend. So I'm actually, and we'll preview this game uh, coming on Thursday. But even this game against the the Broncos, which was circled as a game that might be a tough game, doesn't look as tough anymore, especially with that coaching staff and in Denver not really seemingly not knowing what really what to do or how to coach football because they haven't done a very good job of it. But the defense was awesome. It, 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 that's the defense that I expected to show up in Chicago. And it's the defense that, that you know, is going to be even better when Jimmy Ward gets back. And uh, Talano Hufanga has been a revelation in these first mm-hmm. two games. Yep. Dude has been absolutely incredible. And, you know, we talked about Jaquaski Tart coming back to the squad, especially with the, the Ward injury. It it seems like they knew what they were doing when 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 they let him walk, uh, because again, Hufunga has been an absolute revelation, and so uh, that would be uh, my pick uh, for 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 who to highlight. Al highlighted Nick Bosa, which you know is easy to do every week. Uh, but yeah, Talano Hufunga was uh, really impressive against the Seahawks and against the Bears. So quick note on Bosa: so uh, via Jordan Elliott, uh, splash cousin. Uh, shout out to Splash Cousin, be <laughs> watching. But uh, he he just put out a stat that Nick Bosa had seven pressures and two sacks uh, in the game on on Sunday against Seattle. So I, I just just an absolute monster game. Again, he was really good against the Bears as well, and like he's on pace for what twenty something sacks, twenty four, twenty five sacks at this point. So it's just just a monster, monster start for him, and just got to hope he stays healthy and that the defense can stay healthy and continue this. I I think that. You know, anytime you beat up on on a division rival that's kind of given to you in the past, psychologically, like that's still Pete Carroll over there, right? So, and and it's still the Seattle Seahawks. And I think that for this team, psychologically, like whether that team is a talented team or not, they have to get over that hump to be able to kind of be able to uh, assert themselves in the division. I and I really feel like with this defense, like when you, defense travels, no matter where you go, right? No matter what the weather is, no matter where you go, defense travels and running game travels. So I think that. There's a lot to look forward to with that. The defensive line is just dominant. Like they're not having to send extra extra blitzers to get pressure on the quarterback. We we're getting pressure from the interior as well. Javon Kinlaw has looked amazing this first two games. 
better than we've seen him look at any point in his career so far. And, you know, again, like the, the penalties were down there, one penalty in the game down from, you know, the 10 plus penalties they had in, in week one. So I think that they cleaned up a lot of stuff. Hufanga is, is very quickly becoming my favorite player, maybe on the entire team. And it's just because the guy's everywhere, just an unbelievable athlete. His ball skills are fantastic. He had the tip interception to Sean Gibson, who was also, who also played really well too. And, you know, coming off the practice squad. So they're, they're, kind of hitting a stride here and I know it's early on in the season but like it's important for them to get that because like you said Jimmy Ward is out and for me the guy that I really kind of appreciate the most so far is Mooney Ward and he's given up the the lowest completion percentage out of any out of any defensive back in the league since 2021 so I think that he had the, he had the big interception at the goal line where Seattle had that weird four running backs on the field trick play that they ran and, and it was just an easy pick for him I mean he's been fantastic and it's been a fantastic pickup I was excited when they signed him and yeah, Mooney Morch has been just been lights out on that end. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley as well. So they they went up against two Pro Bowl level players on Sunday. And yeah, Geno Smith's throwing it, but I mean, like you know, DK Metcalf is a monster, and he had a very very quiet game aside from basically like a couple catches. So I think that you know this is the unit that will take them where they want to go. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing too. It is going to take them where they got want to go. It is going to carry the team. I, I really believe that the defense is going to carry the team all year. And I think too, what you're starting to see is I really like that Debo and Ayuk led the team in targets. They're your playmakers. Get them the ball. We're going to have Kittle back. You would think hopefully this week. And now there's issues. Ty Davis Price has a high ankle sprain. He's going to be out. There's some issues in that running back room now, which is which is a little bit scary. Jeff Wilson, you know we love Jeff Wilson. Um, he had a good game. 18 carries. I think it was 87 yards. And now we're going to find out about Jordan Mason, right? And Marlon Mack will, will get promoted too. So there's still guys who can run the ball, but there's a lot of playmakers on the team. The offensive line played really well in this game, really well in this game. You know, with guys like Banks and Brendel, um, the guys we were worried about last week, they, they played well. You know, it was, it was a clean sheet, I think, pretty much for everybody. So it's, it's really, really, really is, as frustrating as is, as much of a gut punch as yesterday was, this is still a very good football team. In the yeah, NFC, Brendel had the butt snap, though. Brendel had the butt snap <laughs> in the rain. Oh, right, you're right, right. <laughs> that was all. That was the, that was like the worst thing the offensive line did. Besides that, I mean, they were fine. Um, great. Yeah, you know, you t- if, if that's all, the only blip, I, th- I thought it played really well overall. But um, now, now I lost my train of thought, Zane. What was I going to say? I totally forgot what I was going to say. Well, I, I, I want to talk about the offensive line there real quick. I'll let you like, go out. I remember what I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, Banks, Banks and Burford, they, they both Banks and Burford both had clean sheets yesterday. They were yeah. fantastic. And I think that again, like I know Brian, that like you know you were saying you don't want to see this with Jimmy, but like with him at quarterback, it also changes how the offensive line plays as well, too, right? Because he has a quicker release; they don't have to they don't they don't have to block for as long. So it's gonna it's gonna look different than it did with Trey. And, and I think that it, we'll see how the offensive line adjusts to a different quarterback now. And again, Kittle is another is another guy that they have to adjust to when he's back in there as well. And, and, and use whether they want to use him as a blocker or a receiving option, we'll see. But yeah, like I think the offensive line play was much, much improved from week one. The problems that they had in the preseason, like they, they looked like a completely different unit. And, I, and I, that's really encouraging to see. I'm just excited to see them play a, a better quality opponent, right? We know the Bears. The Bears aren't going to be good. We know the Seahawks aren't going to be good. Roster talent-wise, very, very little there to get excited about. Their first real test comes next week. And, and the Broncos haven't been playing well, but they've got the roster talent to be, to be better than they are. And so I'm excited to see that. 
uh, the the Broncos have better edge talent uh, on the defensive line than the Seahawks do. So it'll be interesting to see where you know how that tests will uh, Trent and and McGlinchey right because in Chicago the issue wasn't the interior of the offensive line, which is shocking to say, but it was the the majority of the pressure that the that the Bears got was off the edge against Williams and against uh, against McGlinchey, and so I'm excited to see them you know, play with, with more, you know, with more talent, right. Play against teams with, with better talent. And it's, it's coming back to back, right. We've got Broncos next week. We've got Rams the following week, right. That that's, you know, it's, it, that's a good stretch. And I think we'll learn a lot more about the team than we did these first two weeks. And I'm excited about that. Yeah. So I remember what I was going to say, so we're talking about the NFC, right? So when you look at this NFC right now, to me, it is wide freaking open. So the Rams are the Super Bowl champions, but we know the Niners can beat the Rams. No, it's not an issue. They should the have Rams beat the Rams. Haven't looked the championship good. Game. Yeah, they really haven't looked good. There's definitely issues there. The Bucks defense looks very good. Offensively, they've been uh, definitely out of sync. You know when they get it going, they can be very good. But I don't think, you know, with the Niners, D, again, they can keep that low-scoring game. Dallas, I'm not, I'm not afraid of. The Niners have had Green Bay's number. You know, the list kind of goes on and on. I'm not, I don't think New Orleans has the quarterback play. You know, we'll see as other as the season goes on. Minnesota look good, but again, the Niners' defensive line can they, you know, stymie Kirk Cousins probably. So this NFC is wide open, and the Niners are not built around the quarterback. So it's not like we're going into the season with Nate Sutfeld. You know, I, I this can still be a very good season. So, am I pissed about what happened? Yeah. Do I like the way that things have been handled? I do not at all. I think it's been dysfunction junction, to be honest with you. But here we are. And is this still a good football team? Yes. Can this team still go to the Super Bowl? Yeah. I mean, if they were in the AFC, I'd be like, probably not. You know, there's some buzz saws in the AFC, but in the NFC, yeah, I think they can still get there. So it's, you know, as frustrating as it is, I, I'm still optimistic for, for the rest of the season. Well, and I, you know, I would, I would argue that the, as frustrated as I am and, and sad as I am, because I really was excited to, to see this kid develop this year. You know what I'm most excited about? The narratives are gone. The narratives are gone. We don't, you know, we spent, Al, you and I spent 20, 25 minutes talking about the Trey Lance narrative after week one and how ridiculous it was. We don't have to worry about that anymore. It's gone, right? This is, it's Jimmy Garoppolo for 2022. We don't even have to think about Trey Lance this season. So I'm excited for that. And, and like you said, uh, to me, the team that has looked best now, they play the Eagles tonight, right? And so we'll see, we'll see how, how things go because the Eagles looked pretty good as well until uh, the Lions, who apparently are an offensive juggernaut, uh, you know, almost came back on the Eagles. But the, the NFC is not strong. It's not. The, the Packers haven't looked great. Uh, the, the Vikings looked good. I, th- I think they could be a dark horse uh, threat. Uh, the Eagles looked good. Their defense might not be as good as we thought, or at least maybe their defensive play caller isn't. Um, like you said, Tampa Bay's offense is is disjointed right now. Their defense looks looks really good, and that's not a defense. We will see that defense a little bit later this season. Uh, I'm a little bit worried about what that defense can do to this offense, this Jimmy Garoppolo-led offense. But um yeah, I, I have no doubts that this 49ers team is going to make the playoffs. I have zero doubts about that. I thought they were going to make it with Trey, right? Being, you know, learning on the on the fly. So, like I said, I will be excited for the wins. The wins are coming, and I'm excited about that. And 
I'll be excited for a playoff run. But in the back of my mind, I, I just keep thinking like, what is the ceiling for this team? Is this, is this a Super Bowl team? Is this a Super Bowl winning team? Can this team win against another team with Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback or Jared or Josh Allen at quarterback or, you know, I don't know. I have no idea, but we'll see. That's, that's the beauty of football, right? I'll be honest with you. So I, I wasn't in on the season preview show, but I'll be honest with you. I, I actually didn't have to make the playoffs this year with Trey. I didn't because, mm-hmm. and this is, this is why people will kill me for it, but this is why, because to, this year was all about Trey's development, right? It was not necessarily about like, oh, we're going to win the Super Bowl this year and be, be back in the NFC championship. I, I thought that in my opinion, the most important thing to do this year was to get, like, like you said, Brian, those reps for Trey. And that may mean like you, you have some poor play and you have some stretches of poor play because he's learning. And to me, like next year would have been that year where you're really contending with Trey, where he's making that big leap and, and, you know, he's a much more polished player. But, you know, I think that again, we know what the ceiling is with this team, you know, that they're, they're probably a playoff contending team. And Al, to your point, like, yeah, there's no team in the, in the NFC that really scares me at this point, especially mm-hmm. when the Niners are playing like this on defense. Uh, Minnesota. So it's a funny thing. Like we're talking about what's going to happen after this year. I can see Kyle doing something crazy, like making a play for Kirk Cousins next year. I can totally see him doing that. And I don't want him to do that because that's literally a really expensive, slightly better version of Jimmy Garoppolo. And I don't want that. You want a big upgrade. You want a guy that's going to enable you to take you to the next level. Right. Which I think Trey can be. So anyways, we'll see guys, man. This is, this is going to be an interesting season. All of a sudden, it becomes a, a super intriguing season for reasons that we didn't want, but here we are. And uh, I will say that having Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster, it, it has been a distraction, but I would, I'm a hell of a lot more comfortable with him than I would have been with Brock Purdy taking over. Like this is, this is what we have now guys. Like there is no other solution on the horizon. It's, it's Jimmy Garoppolo the rest of the way. So buckle up. It's going to be a ride. Yeah, definitely. But I'll tell you what, you know, we'll be back here later in the week. We'll talk about this huge game with Denver, huge Russell Wilson. It's a gigantic game for the Niners. It's going to show us a lot. It's going to tell us a lot this week about this team going to Denver, the Sunday night game. So we'll, we'll talk about that later in the week. It's still going to be an exciting season. We're still pumped up. Obviously, you know, you got to like, I don't know, decompress and, and, and talk about because it was a big gut punch what happened and you know we did that and I think we had our 30 minute therapy session and now you know I think we're ready to move forward so I feel better yeah yeah, yeah. me too me too get well get well soon Trey absolutely, absolutely. alright for Brian and Zane this is Al peace